Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of February 2016. Now I won't go into the, the political farce, as I call it, of elections or politicians, because I've covered so much of that in the past, the whole structural system we live under. The one big organization that runs the world, basically, and it's all, it may have its branches and its plans too for the future, always for the future, to where they want to go. They don't sit static ever, those who control everything. They don't sit static and, and let things get out of the control. They always plan the next step and the next step and the next step. And we've known for an awful long time uh, that uh, from even insiders who published books in the past, uh, that... Uh, the top candidates of all parties are pre-selected and are our members of the same one organization. So you have to understand that uh, it's a dog and pony show in a circus. And some alternate media too continue the circus which you are caught up through the emotions to truly believe in. We've seen way too many movies where the lone cowboy comes into town, the town's corrupt, it's been terrorized by a tiny gang of nasty people, and the, the lone cowboy, the one, it's always the one in the movies, you see, comes in and he's brave enough to do all for them. That's a common theme with, with so many movies. They're all the same script, basically. It doesn't matter what year they take place in. And it goes on and on and on. And really, truly, uh, look for someone to come in and change everything, either back to the way something was, even though even the past is long gone. It isn't coming back, because you don't know. When have you ever heard a politician giving absolute written pledges and sworn testimony before they get elected? With consequences, if they break those pledges, it doesn't happen. Today, the politicians are clever enough not to even give that. They have opinions, you see. They have opinions. And, of course, their opinions always change once they're in. That's what they tell you. I've changed my opinion on this and that. So we're run by one system, and everybody knows it at the top. The top politicians all know it as well. And the little psychopaths that are up-and-coming politicians catch on very quickly to the game, and they're willing to play it and be... Again, in the back door, basically, by being good, you know, going along with it, all the, the political correct agendas that they know are somehow essential to push. So we're going through the next phase, as I say. This whole century is planned. The last century was too, by the way, although they had to work an awful lot to get all the wars going. And they did it very effectively too. And this goes back hundreds of years, actually, a few hundred years, this particular movement with different names, and now they have official names, even with charters from governments to exist. So you, you find that, uh, that the past is always to be eradicated. All that was, as they say in the so-called occult, <laughs> all that was must be vanquished to make room for the new. Everything must be new, new, new. That culture, everything. Gender, even. Everything. New, new, new as you, I'm sure you've caught on to. Push from every level of top authority, all the way down to education and so on. All media is on board with it. They'll get their orders from the same 
bosses of the world. N plus two happens across the world at the same time, which of course couldn't happen if countries were truly independent, etc., etc. So you go through uh, the dog and pony show circus and is helped by alternative media as they get caught up in emotion and try to push the emotion and the arguments onto the public to get them caught up as well. If the one just appears and they get into office, they can make all things goody-goody again, you see. And that's the simplicity of the, of the method. It doesn't happen. No one's ever come in and torn up any United Nations treaty with this myriad of with divisions within it, covering every aspect of life, education, everything for the world, no one's ever come up and says, oh, no, we're tearing this up, you see. Or all the free trade agreements, well, we're tearing this up because we've lost all our jobs. Nope, doesn't happen, and it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. You know, all parties and all sides will cater to the same causes. There's no doubt about that. Remember back in George Bush Jr.'s day when he brought out the Patriot Act and all the rest of it, he told those in Congress to sign it without reading it. If they tried to read it, it was unpatriotic. Uh, that was a sure sign that their idea of representative democracy was out the window when almost all of them, I think only two, maybe, maybe three maximum, wanted to read it. The rest of them signed it without question. That generally is called dictatorship. <laughs> we obey the dictator, you see. And yet it was put into law and all the rest of it, and uh, the rights started to disappear from the public. That was essential too. The whole 9-11 deal and what the aftermath was essential to push through, again, the completely surveilled society uh, with all of its rules, regulations, and obedience to authority and, and armed guards and guys in the road with black uniforms and machine guns, things like that. Obey, obey, obey. And that will never be discarded because it's essential. It was the greatest stroke of genius, really, of the big planners. How do we get rid of this last vestige of simply, we've got rights amongst the people, we've got rights, you know, then individual rights. How do you get rid of it? Well, you get a form, of, a form definitely of martial law. That's reword it how you want. It's all the same thing. And a, a flowering of the cancerous growth within government of agencies to monitor and watch and uh, sometimes eliminate the individuals in society that are not too happy with the way things are going. In the TV speech given by Bush Jr., written by his writers, of course, the guys who knew, really knew what was going on, I've always said the guys behind presidents and prime ministers are far more important. That's who you must check out and, and, and look up and, and see who they are, uh, what they're up to, what have they belonged to in the past. Simple detective work. What do they have in common across the world? Different advisors. Because they all know the world agenda, don't they? They all work in unison together. But Bush Jr. said in his written speech for him, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. The section that ruled Britain, 
had a hard time implementing initially anti-terrorism bills and so on. Because again, you still have folk who, granted it's dwindling all the time, always was, who are not socialists, basically. It's a broad term for something else. And they still believed they had rights and things too. So 7-7 came along, bombs went off in London, at the exact places that a terror drill had planned for for fake bombs to be uh, on that very day at that time. And that's put down as coincidence, you see, for those who believe in coincidence theories, which is much safer, (laughs) true enough. And in comes, the again, the same martial law scenario. Now we can legally, you know, in other words, openly monitor you. We've been monitoring you all for years. Way back in the Cold War, anyone who had supposed uh, left-wing uh, leanings, I mean, they weren't in the real know of what the real left-wing was all about at the top, uh, were highly monitored. The, the post office had special substations where mail from marked individuals would all get directed to. They opened everything, read it all, then later they, copied, they, they photocopied it and so on. They really sealed them in brand new envelopes of the proper kind, they're all kinds from all over the world, and the proper stamps, and, and, you know, and rubber stamp as well. And on they went to the individuals. That, was, that came out years ago by top officials who worked in that particular area of the service. We've always been monitored, always, always. And probably from the days of Alexander Graham Bell and then Bell Telephone, it hasn't been any different. You see, we know, in fact, there's been many, many cons and scams, especially in New York with the Wall Street, from the early days, even the Telegraph, uh, where they had interceptors, etc., that uh, literally found out who was putting in um, bids for bonds and all the rest of it, and stocks. Uh, for those who really controlled the whole system. Uh, and so they always knew in advance who was trying what, etc. So they'd always, the, the, the little minority was always in control of it all. Like today, it's just the same, only they have, um, even some of them even admitted, it came out before, uh, that with uh, from the NSA, some of them in the NSA help uh, the big boys um, uh, with data, this funnel data directly to them in real time, and they know what's going on too. Is it coincidence too that everything getting pushed through universities and to the students who then come out in, in NGO armies and sponsored by the big foundations have pretty well accomplished the whole communist manifesto, all the different planks? Is that coincidence too for coincidence theory? Of course not. But anyway, that's that's a whole depth of a field, basically, that's beyond just a, a little talk. I've done it so many times in the past. For those who want to go into cutting through com and to the archive section, and you can go through all the boring, boring talks, because, see, reality is pretty dry. And it's not entertaining, you see. People will always opt for entertainment before, and even those who use the techniques of entertainment, including the, the somber or, or, or hyper music 
when they, they're trying to put fear across. These are all techniques that are well understood by neuroscientists and so on. So they'll always prefer that to just dry, boring facts, you see. At the end of being terrified for an hour or more, they then are given the good news that should vote for this guy or vote for that guy. And, you know, the one, the lone rider, is going to make all things happy again for you. And in all that emotional hype and drama produced for the public at election time, that's all it is, is a big show. And folk get caught up in it too. They forget so quickly that it's not so long ago that politicians, by definition, were there to serve the public. A man or a woman, the one, wasn't the person, the person who's going to make things better for you. You all had the responsibility. Every single citizen of a supposedly free country. All forgotten. And truth, as I say, is a lot of study, a lot of work. And really what I do is unpaid work most of the time by research and putting it up there for free, only to hear it prattle back at me by big alternative media, often, without ever mentioning your your name. You're an unpaid worker. <laughs> but then, too, it's often with a slant on it, you see. I don't give you the slant. I don't give you fake hope. If you can't have hope in yourself, as I say, you're goner. But you're giving your, your hope into someone else's hands, and all you know is the media personality of the politician, because it's the media that gives you all they want you to know or think about that person. You haven't a clue what they're really, really like. Now, those who've followed me for years find some peace and happiness, just being really, really educated and awake. And eventually you can see through every single con that's put across to the public and always know how it's been put across by the techniques and so on. And the lies behind it and the spins behind it too. And that's an incredible satisfaction to have that ability. And for a lot of people have come up to that ability over the years to have a free mind. Doesn't mean that you can talk to many folk around you because conditioning has never been so scientifically accurate and perfected as it is today. And it works incredibly well on the vast majority of people. And the conditioning process has gone on in intensity over a few generations. Every so often, I give out the military's think tank projections for the future. Again, I've given previous ones over the years. Again, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and look at previous ones. And you'll see that even though they know that certain 
members of the public will take the time and trouble to read it all, or even some of it. Very few folk read it at all. Because there's no entertainment value in it, you see. So they, they'll still spin things to an extent without elaborating on their, again, publicly available edition and any depth the various statements that they make. But you can tie the statements they make and have made in the past with the whole United Nations agenda, with the whole agenda, uh, for instance, that has been building vast superhighways for trains too, from one nation to the next in different parts of Europe for the future. You see, why is all this? They give you different reasons at the time, and then you find the real reasons later on. And of course, if, if you are awake, as I say, you always know what they're going to be eventually anyway. Now, the latest one has come out for the Ministry of Defence for Britain. And also, of course, they run it for NATO and all NATO countries. You see, we're all one today because the U.S. is also a member of NATO. And this is the Strategic Trends Program and Global Strategic Trends out to 2045. Now, when you say trends... It is true, there's always the trends put out there, the memes, you might say, and then they start to push more and more of the ideas into the next batch of students into university and through school and through documentaries on television, they'll push it in there somewhere, etc., etc. Even, even comedies and all the fiction has little bits involved in it too to make it all seem quite normal as they transition you into the next part of the agenda. And the signs are always there beforehand, of what's really going on. But uh, they go through a view of the future derived through research headed by the Development Concepts and Doctrine Center. Doctrine. Awfully important. That means all security agencies and so on in the countries to go by this. It's like their handbook, basically. And if you want to stay in that job and, and get up the ladder, you parrot this kind of doctrine, you see, even if you don't really understand it yourself. And it goes into events uh, taking place after the, the date and so on. Um, they say they haven't been considered for the date of publication, which is nonsense too. At least for the, for the big think tanks involved in it, these private think tanks, you see. But this is the official doctrines, I say, for those who will work in the system for government agencies, the military Again, university professors, again, who teach sociology and political doctrine, all um, start pushing it as well. They always do, because they're all part of it too. Now on page, I think it's 18, you'll find the environment. Now everything is the environment too, because that meme was taken off long ago by massive repetition through a thousand quarters of information and uh, energy and environment now and, and different departments are all together as energy and energy and environment, environment, environment. And now that weather control is just a routine affair, uh, globally pretty well, then, uh, you know, the, the public have no problem being conned into uh, the need to radically alter our ways, give up all their ways of thinking and living, in fact, to bring in the new system. And it's all been worked out in advance for you, and you will all fall into the, the, the patterns and the, into the pathways they've already laid out for you to fall into over the years. That's why it works so well. I always think back to uh, the Rolling Stones, their tribute to the devil and so on, 
and the song uh, Time's on My Side, supposedly by Satan, you see. And that's what you've got. Time. It's, it, when you try to radically alter a single culture that thinks it's been free too quickly, uh, you have massive backlash from the people. And you tell them what you want them to do and how you want them to live and so on. Massive backlash. You take 30, 40 years of propaganda. You raise another generation up, or two, or even three generations up, through massive propaganda and indoctrination at school and high school and university. Until they think everything they've been taught is all quite normal and natural. Then their parents accept it. Then their offspring accept it. Much easier. Blah, 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 blah. So easy, you see, to do that. Time is on my side. So this is the environment here. And it says, um, a growing population will demand more food and water. Food and water. Increasing the strain on environment out to 2045. As centers of population cluster in vulnerable areas such as coastal regions. Now, they've said that years ago, too when they wanted all the folk off of the coastal regions. The consequences of adverse weather are highly likely to be felt more keenly by 2045. Climate change, you know, the weather. They tried to drop the global warming, although it's still mentioned occasionally, because everything's manufactured routinely now uh, with weather control. It was so perfected. Uh, it says um, that... Climate change is likely to have more noticeable effects. Without mitigation, like it's giving power to authorities to change the reality, rising sea levels will increase the risk of coastal flooding, particularly in regions affected by tropical cyclones. Droughts and heat waves are also likely to increase in intensity, duration, and frequency. Some of these events could precipitate natural disasters, which, because of the interdependence, there's again that, term, that fantastic word that they came up years ago with interdependence of nations, that's what they mean. Enabled by globalization, may have consequences far beyond the site where disaster occurs. We're, so we're all in it together. You see, you see, we're all in it together. They always have these slogans even during wartime. We're all in it together. Do your bit. You see. Then they go on about people and the environment, about our human activity is causing it all, you see. I'd like to continue to have an impact on environment, the processes of urbanization. All, and here they go again, deforestation, industrialization, which we're deindustrialized in the West, agriculture and fishing, and almost abolish fishing too in the West, have damaged the natural environment. It's all your fault, in other words, you see, by the way you live. By some estimates, pollution and soil erosion have led to as much as 25% of available land being degraded. Similarly, over, give us the, the proof of it, you know, but no, they don't. See, they just make these statements. Similarly, overfishing and pollution uh, have reduced the amount of food that can be harvested from the oceans. However, more sustainable farming and fishing methods and better industrial and urban practices could mitigate these Adverse effects. Sustainable, sustainable, sustainable farming. They're talking about, and they've been doing it for years and years, running little farmers into the ground 
and the big boys come over and they amalgamate them all into one big global corporation of agribusiness, as I like to call it today. They've been doing that for years. You do the same with your water and everything else globally. There'll be a, eventually there'll be one corporation. I'm pretty certain there is already. Not, not, not the five big agri-food business corps, which I really think are one. If you have all the same, if the, if the same shareholders have the, have the majority shares in each corporation, it's one corporation, it's one group running it. The same thing with your gas, natural gas, electricity, and your water, you see. Privatizing everything, have to privatize. It's too inefficient for the people to technically own it by by using their taxes to set up the system for water. And now it's much better now to give it to our, our private corporations, public-private partnerships. When you have, when all, when everything you can do to to survive has been taken out of your own hands. And the population doesn't scream about it and keeps screaming about it. Then that population is gone at the total mercy of their masters. I'll put this entire PDF up, by the way. And you can read it for yourselves. For those, again, the few who will actually go through it. Uh, see through the cons and the terminology used and all the rest of it and, and see that a lot of it's already been done and being underway already, not out to 2045. Now this ties right in with the UN report back in 2010. World's biggest cities merging into mega-regions. You know, Karl Marx talked about that back in his day. Again, that's coincidence theory for coincidence theorists. The Council on Foreign Relations with their masters, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs, same organization, privately owned. They own all the big newspapers, all the big moguls are members of it and so on. In fact, many of them were made to be moguls by them. They make you the stars in your particular field because control of information is vital. And you want the public to believe things, you've got to have the right folk here to make sure you all do it across the board in different regions, countries, and so on, in unison. But the Royal Institute for International Affairs, published long, long ago, their desire and goal to unite the entire of Europe in a trading block, and then a, a super government. And they could always start off by conning the public, by believing it was just a little free trade here and there, and it, was not, it wouldn't be until the new parliament is set up they'd admit the truth. They've been working on it since 1948, full time. They wanted United Americas. We got NAFTA treaty. They're now taking that as a given. We're all completely interdependent with banking and resources and so on with the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and a few other places as well in Latin America. It's changed many, many different things too. With even the Caribbean islands, they were lumped into that whole deal as well. 
And again, the far eastern Pacific Rim countries in Australia, New Zealand, along with China and so on. Another region, three regions mentioned by Marx, was mentioned by the Royal Institute for International Affairs when Lord Alfred Milner ran the group prior to giving it the new name. And the departments working on the, the, the Pacific Rim regions again since the, the 1930s. Now they've pretty well got what they want through, again, under the guise of trade deals. Then with trade deals, they say, you know, it's awfully untidy and, and difficult with all the different currencies, with the different governments all participating with little different stipulations and demands. And then you end up uh, changing your, your legal systems to do with imports, exports, and all the rest of it. And then you expand that, because then you set up a little group that becomes the lawmakers. Uh, 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 they become the lawmakers, and uh, they start expanding the laws to include all the different laws of all the countries involved. Three trading blocks, you see. Each eventually to have a parliament, one parliament, and each parliament to be responsible to a world governmental authority. Very old plan. Again, it's just a coincidence that it's all coming to pass, isn't it? You're living through it. So again, back to the UN report, the world's mega cities are emerging to form a vast mega regions, you see which may stretch hundreds of kilometers across countries and be home to more than 100 million people, according to a new major new UN report. This is back in 2010. But they had, they had maps out at the end of World War II from the United Nations, which even showed you the blocks of countries that amalgamated. And they were on serial boxes, believe it or not, authorized and put out by, uh, given permission by the United Nations. The phenomenon of the so-called endless city could be one of the most significant developments and problems in the way people live and economies grow in the next 50 years, says the UN Habitat, the Agency for Human Settlements, which identifies the trends of developing mega-regions in its biannual State of World Cities report. The largest of these, says the report, launched today at the World Urban Forum in Rio de Janeiro, is the Hong Kong, uh, Shenzhen, uh, Gansu region in China, home to about 120 million people. Other mega-regions have formed in Japan and Brazil, are developing in India, West Africa, and elsewhere. That's where we all come in, elsewhere, you see. The trend helped the world pass a tipping point in the last year, with more than half the world's people now living in cities. That was always the agenda, even going back to the early communist ideas. Remember, Carl quickly said the story in for the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council of Foreign Relations. He said, we have their own history. We have the real history because our groups have been behind all major changes in the last century, basically, including the wars, to make all this possible for folk to give up their national sovereignty and all that. <laughs> The UN said that urbanization is now unstoppable. Anna Tibijiku 
outgoing director of the UN Habitat, says just over half the world now lives in cities, but by 2050, over 70% of the world will be urban dwellers. By then, only 14% of people in rich countries, in rich countries, will live outside cities, and 33% in poor countries. Now, they've also put from the United Nations reports, and I've read them in the past too, they're, they're all, everything I've mentioned before is in cuttingthroughmatrix.com archive section. For those who really have patience and don't need to have entertainment to wade through all that kind of stuff. But they said in previous reports to the United, from the United Nations, only very rich people, the few, will live in, in rural areas, you know, in their country dwellings, etc. The rest of you are crammed in the cities. The development of mega-regions is regarded as generally positive, said report's co-author Eduardo Lopez Moreno. The mega-regions, rather than countries, are now driving wealth. Is that true? The wealth of the majority of public everywhere is going down, down, and down. Research shows that the world's largest 40 mega-regions will cover only a tiny fraction of the habitable surface of their planet and are home to fewer than 18% of the world's population but account for 66% of all economic activity and about 85% of technological and scientific innovation, said Moreno. And this goes on. It's quite a lengthy article. It's pretty lengthy. I won't read it all. And for those, again, who just want facts, basically. And all these facts show the technique as well of propaganda and indoctrination. That the, most of the public, if they hear it at all, generally from the mainstream news, uh, just soak up and never question. Another article here, United Nations World Bank Group launched a high-level panel on water from this year. They're going to take over everything that you need to survive because essentials, food and water, heat, shelter, clothing, are essential for human survival. It can also be used as a weapon of, for withdrawing your right to use it for, as punishment. For, don't ever forget that. The Secretary General of the United Nations and President of the World Bank jointly announced their intentions to form a new panel to mobilize urgent actions towards a sustainable, again there's that term, repetition, repetition, development, goal for water and sanitation. SDG 6, they call it, and related targets. The announcement comes as countries experience water stress and water-related disasters that will grow worse due to climate change again, climate change, climate change, climate change, without better policy decisions. Water is a precious resource crucial to realizing the SDG Sustainable Development Goals, which at their heart aim to eradicate poverty. That's what it's for. It's to eradicate poverty. You know how much you'll be paying Shortly for your water, it's going up all the time, of course, as they privatise it all. Anyway, it's said UN General, General Ban Ki-moon. The new panel can help motivate the action we need to turn ideas into reality. Whose ideas? The UN system, including through UN Water and United Nations Development System, system's universal operational presence, is committed to promote inclusive and country-led action on SDG 6 and related targets. The panels will be co-chaired by President of Mauritius and Mexico. It will compromise a group of heads of state governments from developed and developing countries, convened by the UN Secretary General and President of the World Bank Group. Now, the World Bank 
and the Bank for International Settlements and the IMF were all, and the United Nations, were all the brainchilds of this private club, Royal Institute for International Affairs, and their members run it. They're still their members that run it, and the trilateral group, which they also run as well. They're more specialised to get the things done. So they're going to motivate action, focus public policy dialogue. I would say they shouldn't be focusing, they should just force it, because that's what they're really doing, is they're forcing public policy dialogue. They, they set the terms of dialogue for the public to follow. In other words, they fix the debate, any debate. Private sector models and practices and civil society initiatives towards the water SDG. Civil society, um, of course, uh, you don't get any say in the matter at all. It's all done by the non-governmental organizations paid by the foundations that belong to the same one big world group, you see. And advocate on financing and implementation, promote efforts to mobilize financial resources and scale up investment for the water SDGs. Including through innovative financing, that's almost tax money from the public, who pays for all, and implement, and I mean the, the countries, the, from countries that aren't even involved in it, and implementation strategies. And then they all get global uh, benefits, multiple benefits and so on, blah, 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 all the nice, nice stuff, said World Bank Group President Jim Yong Kim. My hope is that this panel accelerates action in many countries, meaning get the money off us all, so that we can make water more accessible to all. By the way, the UN makes all the laws for the countries. They have been doing it for years uh, and putting their agents out into every country who then go around some some people, even in the West, and find them for what they'll say is wasting water or even catching rainwater off their roof. This happened in the States a few times. You're all, you've been global for a long time. And it doesn't even go through any Congress or Parliament. It's just implemented through treaties, you see. Agreements, like they call them agreements. You don't need to go through anything with an agreement. You just put it through and that's it. But you put it through with the force of a treaty. Put it through with a treaty and it's supposed to be debated by our politicians. This is the, the easy way. All the politicians know this too. They're all on board with it too. Of course they are. Now, food prices could double without GM foods. This propaganda uh, from the scientists that really work with Monsanto and all the other groups that create the GM foods and the pesticide companies. They all know. Food prices could double unless farming undergoes the greenest revolution. A green revolution, you see. Including, and we've all been taught that green is good, you know. Including genetic modification, cloned livestock and nanotechnology, scientists have warned. And this, this article goes back to 2011, when there was kickback from the public, you see. This is the government commissioned report said the current system of food production is not working as farms are focused on mass production that is destroying the environment. Well, you know about the pesticides and the glycophosphates and all the rest of it they're now using on behalf of the green revolution and the GM foods is causing cancers everywhere. You all know that. Anyway, well, back to the article. While billions of people around the world are hungry, oh, you feel bad. It's all your fault. And malnourished. More than a billion others are suffering health problems because of obesity. Again, your fault, you see. You're too much. You're too wealthy. The problem is likely to get worse as the population rises and agricultural land becomes increasingly scarce because of climate change and environmental degradation. And understand they're taking all your ability 
to think for yourself away from you by giving you all these little slogans and terms. Remember what Lenin said, too, we shall win by slogans. Most folk hear slogans and never ask what it means. Could, could, you, could, you, could you basically um, amplify that? Could you, could, could, could you, you give me a broader uh, meaning of what you're saying there? No, it doesn't happen. So simply. His author's report pointed out for the first time in 100 years, food prices are going up rather than down. Food prices as a whole could rise by around 50% by 2050, you see, now that food really is in the hands of the big, the little clique of agri-farm businesses. They own the farms, they own the chemical industries, and they have conglomerates from, owned by the same companies around the world, you see. It's all impact on everyone from British families to consumers in China. And certain essential foods like maize could double in price, leaving hundreds of millions of people hungry in poor countries in Africa. You see, and it goes on and on about the warning that the crisis could lead to conflict and mass migration as huge numbers of people are forced to move in search of food. And then it goes into all the, it's all the fear, 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 sustainable intensification, all these different little terms, you know, again, slogans. But they want to say, must have, see, we must give them the right to take action on the whole food system by giving us more GM and so on and so on. And so, that, so this, everything's propaganda, you see. Now, this article came out in 2010 because last week I mentioned Bill Gates. Again, these private philanthropists who suddenly are given the right across the world to be involved in all the GM stuff, you see. And, all, and when you reach a certain plateau, apparently, of success, even though you you're, you're not a self-made man, the big system above you, the rulers of the world, made you who you are. Even if they allow you to take a lot of the credit. And of course, you just love to take the credit, even though they didn't do it themselves at all. You don't get up and to change anything in the world unless the big boys tell you to and, and tell you, here's your role, uh, we're in charge, we'll make you this, that, or whatever it happens to be, and you just play along, play the game, you'll be awfully famous and awfully, awfully wealthy. That's how it happens. Gates Foundation and Cargill Paper, it says. The Soya model implies a war against the population, the emptying of the countryside, well that falls right in with getting folk into the big megacities and so on, and the elimination of our collective memory in order to shoehorn people into towns and convert them into faithful consumers of whatever the markets provide. The impacts of this model go beyond the borders of the new Soya republics the dehumanization of agriculture and the depopulation of rural areas for the benefit of the corporations is increasing in north and in the south. Uh, Javiera really in the United Soya Republics. It says the truth about the soya production in Latin America. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has announced a new project to, to develop the soya value chain in Africa in partnership with American NGO, non-governmental organization, Technoserve. Now, who really owns that? What is the? What's all the same agenda? You don't get out there into society with any power at all unless they create you and put you out there and fund you. This is an agricultural commodity. 
trading giant Cargo, another agri-food business, Cargo. And Archer Dine in the Midlands is another one, there's a couple other ones. The $8 million US dollars project will implement will be implemented as a four-year pilot in Mozambique and Zambia, with the intention of spreading the model to other regions of the future. The Gates Foundation continues to back agricultural strategies that open new markets for strong corporate interests. Well, naturally it does. Well, the big interests, you know, the big corporations, while assisting in the creation of policy environments, policy environments, to support foreign agribusinesses' interests. The government will yoke African farmers into the soya value chain and open the door for major agribusiness players such as Cargo, while displacing African agricultural practices and traditional crops. All GM, you see. Now, the soya is one of the oldest altered ones in GM form. And there have been so many studies from the early days to the present of its cancer-causing effects. And the and, and sterility, by the way, which shows up in its full-blown form in the third generation. In addition, there's a very real threat that this project could be a foot in the door for the introduction of genetically modified soya onto the continent. Remember, sterility is a big, big uh, must-be project for the boys that rule the world. So since the Green Revolution of the 1960s, the soya bean has become the number one forage crop on the international market, and yada yada, all the, the propaganda and so on. And it tells you the major countries that export it happen to be and the expansion of the soil monocrops in Latin America, and its wreaked socio-economic and environmental disaster, by the way. In 2008, over 30 million hectares of soya was grown in Brazil and Argentina, where soya monocrops are notorious for displacing rural populations and causing mass deforestation. So they use the answer always to save us all, by giving it to the right people to manage for you, you see, uh, and then blame you because they caused the actual, the real deforestation by all the pesticides that use along with it. Special, very, very intense pesticides, much more aggressive than the, the old stuff. In April 2006, Greenpeace announced in the 2004-05 growing season, 1.2 million hectares of the Amazon rainforest were deforested as a consequence of soil expansion. The, majority, the vast majority of global soil crops are genetically modified to withstand applications of herbicides. And it's always the company that owns the GM seed who also owns the chemical company that makes the pesticide which you must use along with it. Approximately 93% of soy production is in the U.S. is genetically modified, 98.9 in Argentina and 70.7 in Brazil. The introduction of herbicide-tolerant soya has created a sharp increase in the use of highly toxic herbicides. In the U.S., the use of herbicide has increased by 382.6 million pounds over the past 13 years. Use a far more with it, too, as well, of these more deadly pesticides than you would with the old stuff for the normal seeds. With herbicide-tolerant soya beans accounting for 92% of that increase. No multinational on the planet has greater interest in soya production and trade than the American corporation Cargo. Their business operations include purchasing, processing and distributing grain and agricultural commodities. 
the manufacturing of livestock feed and ingredients for processed foods and pharmaceuticals. You'll find again the same shareholders run the pharmaceuticals. The majority stock, that is. There's one big, as far as I've always said, you know, there's one big corporation running everything. And uh, this, goes, this is quite a good article. It goes on a bit longer too, but I'll put this up for you as well, for to those who want, again, not to be entertained, but if the patience and ability still left in their minds to, keep, to hold their attention on a particular topic for any length of time. That's getting rarer and rarer by design. Now back to the Ministry of Defence and their projects and projections for the future. Page, uh, this is 23, I think. 25% of agricultural land is already degraded. Climate change will almost certainly have adverse effects on some agriculture, but may open up new areas for cultivation with positive impacts on particular crops in certain regions. On balance, even though the quality of some areas is likely to have been degraded by 2045, the global arable land area is projected to remain relatively constant. Estimates range from 10% decrease to a 25% increase, with some potential increases in crop productivity in the high latitudes and decreases across the tropical regions. Furthermore, warming uh, acidification and overfishing also threaten to reduce the amount of uh, food that can be harvested from the oceans, and so on and so on. And then they go into the, the, the estimates of future food prices. all be volatile, but it's going to go up and up and up, basically. And that's what they're going to do with... Remember, all your, as you should call it, spending money that you'd reward yourself with at the end of the week or the month for working in some miserable job is to go to paying for the energy you need just to live. Electricity, gas, heating, whatever, all it, whatever it happens to be, whatever method you use, you're going to pay through the nose for it all. And so you have nothing left. You're post-consumer, you see. That's what you are. I've read the articles before on post-consumerism from the United Nations. We're following a very old plan, a very old agenda. I've said that so many times. And it's awfully boring to me because they were about the soul script before I was born, lots of it. And when something follows very old, old books and plans and projects put out by big important people of the past, then it's no coincidence at all. It's the plan. They never changed the plan. They never stopped the plan. They never said, oh, we better give up. Oh, no, they don't do that. No. They, if it takes them 70 years, they'll, they'll continue step by step until they get it all into their, their hands as they want it to be. They work intergenerationally. They plan intergenerationally. And that's how it really is in the real, real world, folks. I'll be doing more on this subject, maybe. Depends. Uh, but I'd like for people who uh, follow what I say, what I do, and there's lots and lots out there do, believe, believe in me, uh, to remember, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmates.com or donate and uh, help me take along here because I'm not selling all kinds of gizmos and gimmicks and so on through through fear. You know, well, if you don't buy this, you'll die. 
I simply put out I, what I give you is truth facts. That's it, facts, checkable facts. I don't surmise on things. It's facts. That's not pleasant because the reality really, really is not pleasant. And it's not for everyone. It really is not. Most folk can't cope with it. They honestly can't cope. Making breakdown on the way. And and through choice, turn back to, I'll be entertained again, I'll go along with the, with the, the average Joe. And you're, then you're accepted by the average Joe. Your topics of conversation will all be the same. They're all given to you as being okay. They don't make you feel unpleasant. And you'll talk about entertainment most of the time. And we watched and heard and all the rest of it, true entertainment. And again, Brzezinski said that back in the 1970s, Zygmunt Brzezinski, who again, the Masters of the World, picked up long ago at university, when he lectured, and they said, that'll be your man, he's a good propagandist, he, he'll have no problems with conscience, we're going along with all this thing. He's a, he was an elitist supremist, uh, basically. And so he had all the right traits. And they put him in charge of geopolitical strategies for warfare and getting revolutions going across the world for years and years. But back in the 70s, he published a book. Because uh, they all have tremendous egos too, and they want to be lauded by everybody as being so brainy and intelligent, etc. And so spot on with their predictions. Again, it's because, because they know, <laughs> they've been told how the future is, go, is going to be, not might be, but is going to be by the guys who already own it and control it. And wrote Between Two Ages, in the chapter in it to the technotronic era, how fields of various uh, frequencies, including the microwave, of course, could influence folk through a system across the entire, an entire continent. All cell phone towers can be used for that purpose, for, for sure. And they would influence your behavior. They could make you very docile. They could make you aggressive. And that, that should test it out in different regions. They know it works. So they, don't, they don't say things off the top of their head unless they've been truly tested. And... So much, but he did say that eventually the public, who are already repeating nothing but the previous day's news, this is all manufactured for you and, and spun for you. So you, you believe what you're meant to believe, and that's what they do. They parrot that. It's just, but 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 soon it was almost there back in the seventies. They'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. That happened long ago. It doesn't matter what you tell people, even if you, you have the proof in your hands from perpetrators that are bringing all this about. They don't want to believe it. And they'll often say, ah, well, they'd be on the news if that was true. The news, as I've mentioned before, doesn't have to give you any truth at all. There's nothing in law that says news must have any absolute truth involved. In the case I gave you, it was a documentary a while back with contracted investigators 
for one of the big TV stations and groups who looked into, I think it was Monsanto at the time, and they couldn't believe that they were turning up. And um, the whole thing was quashed. They tried to cancel our contracts. And so these private, this private group took them to court. They were, they were absolute journalists and investigators. And I went to a high court in the U.S. And the judge said, there's nothing you can do about it. He says, because there's nothing in law to say that news must be true. Nothing's changed. It was always that way down through the centuries. Information is how your mind is molded, how your opinions are shaped. They're not your opinions at all. And most folks simply take the majority opinion that's approved. Because once they well, so-and-so believes it, and professors at university believe it, and this reporter and that reporter believes it, then they, must, they can't all be wrong. Well, they can if they all belong to the same club. No one's going to get themselves fired at any single level of this agenda for the ones who are the helpers of it. They know what questions not to ask, what statements that must be put across to the public with repetition not to question. They know all that stuff. That's how it really works. But as I've always said, though, you're always told in advance what's coming. Always. Always told in advance what's coming. And people claim, well, they get caught up again. Oh, we can't have that when they hear it for the first time, maybe from a politician. We can't ha- have that. And you complain, what happens? Nothing. Agenda has never stopped. In your lifetime or your parents' lifetime. It goes on, because that's the script. Well, it's awfully depressing, isn't it? But is it really? At least you know the cons behind it, the reasons behind things. And you know that things are definitely not as they're presented to you. From birth, right through your entire life, they're not as they're presented to you. The totally indoctrinated will accept them. Everything. That's been presented to them. This the author, and and we know you know right away what's the authorized opinion on anything, because the backlash you'll get if you speak out of turn, basically, with some other view. And that's the way it's across the board everywhere today. From the least point of view, the perfection of man, as they used to call it meant the complete inability of the individual to fathom, rationalize, and think for themselves, which are the natural qualities, and those qualities must be destroyed. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, may your God or your gods go with you.